Cinebuds receives support from Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hi, everybody. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I'm Dory Zori from Radio Milwaukee. Woo, and this is Cinebuds. And this week on Cinebuds, we are talking about the new Todd Haynes film, May, December. How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? May December is a film where a actress has to go do some research for a role about a couple who had a very controversial relationship in their early days. And she's going to study them and talk to them and learn because they're going to do a film about their life. Yes, that is a very... Delicate. Delicate way of saying... So this film is kind of based on... well. It's inspired. It's inspired by <laughs> one of the worst crimes I think you can ever commit. Yeah. Um, you remember Mary Kay Letourneau? Yeah. The teacher who had an inappropriate relationship with a student. Yeah, very young student. Yeah. Uh, Hence the May-December. Yes, exactly. That's a quite a stretch for May-December. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm 30 and you're 31. Um, <laughs> not quite. Yeah, so it is inspired. That I looked it up. Strangely, they're not saying it is directly. Probably for legal reasons, they're like, right. oh, it's not directly. But it is so clear when you watch the film that it's heavily inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau situation. It is. and But from a different point of view. So this movie content, I do not mind watching movies that is full of content that makes or the storyline is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Right. I don't think anyone's supposed to be comfortable about the story that For this sure. actress played by Natalie Portman yeah. is there to learn about. I don't think it's promoting that kind of relationship. Right. But um, what happens within this film and how they share the story, I guess, is more disappointing than the actual yeah. story itself. I don't know. I'm glad you kind of felt it was boring. I did. I, I will. Yeah. So I have two like lines of thought about the movie. Please tell me. One of which is that I was very bored throughout. The other is I recognize the style and and the the good parts of the film that came from a great cast and a good director. But I am having a hard time marrying the two. Okay. So to decide whether I like liked it or not. Uh, so yeah, stick around and we'll be right back and we'll talk more. Think of the role music plays in your life. It has the power to console us or dance ourselves out of a funk. Live music can touch us deeply like nothing else in life, and it's an escape when times are tough. It inspires resilience within us and perseverance to build a better tomorrow. Radio Milwaukee is your source for music discovery, local music, and deepening your connection to the community. Your year-end donation of any amount directly supports arts in our community and builds passion for the music we care about. Before the year ends, give a contribution at RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate. All right, we're back. Let's start with the positives of this Todd Haynes movie. Um, I mean, when you hear Natalie Portman 
and Julianne Moore are in a film. That is definitely why I wanted to watch this in the first place. So the acting itself wasn't bad. No, I was confused by a couple of Of the the performances. Uh, Just a little bit. Like it almost felt, well, let me back up. Yeah. Todd Haynes um, has done, he did Carol, a great film called Carol, Far From Heaven, which also had Julianne Moore. Um, he's worked a lot. Like, this was his sixth yeah. film with Julianne Moore, I yeah. believe. And he's got a lot of great films and he has a style. I like seeing his style and it's a lot of the film work, these kind of slow moments that have a little bit of a poet poetry to them. I get into that in a slow movie I can deal with. Mm. And then this is a slow movie that has these moments of intensity here and there. Um, Just a couple. (laughs) But I don't know. But then, yeah, then I see the performances, and I am not 100% sure that I loved them because I don't feel like I... I got Like Julianne Moore, for instance, Mm -hmm. she plays essentially the Mary Kay Letourneau part. You do see, like, her nervousness at being approached to, to have her life on the big screen. And you see her nervousness at that that person is going to portray her well. Right. And then you see these moments of like massive neuroses she has in private or with her husband. So they're good. They're well done. But I feel like I didn't spend enough time with her, that character, to like understand it that well, I they, guess. Yeah, they could have. I agree with you. They had hints of who she is. Like it's really two adults um, that are have been married for quite a while that yeah. have three kids now that are uh, graduating from high school and one is in high school that happened well after, like decades after their inappropriate beginning of their relationships. Yeah. But it's really like a, two adults that are still children in a lot of ways because of the trauma that they've both gone through. One with um, Julianne Moore's character, they alluded to her some trauma in her young life. Right. But then the trauma that she ultimately inflicted when she started this relationship, she was 30-something, he was 13. Yeah. And seeing him, I thought it was really interesting seeing him, and I hope this isn't a spoiler, like realize throughout the course of this film like the story that he always told at the beginning of their relationship like this she didn't take advantage of me we were in love right. this was appropriate to maybe finally realizing that this wasn't an in a, wasn't an appropriate relationship and she might have manipulated him in the beginning to yeah. starting this relationship it's so a, yeah. i found that to be fascinating yeah it's like this was the first time that story had been challenged to him and that he actually had time to think about it. His character, and he's getting a lot of uh, attention for his, his uh, performance. And um, he had previously only been in like um, Riverdale, Riverdale. Charles Melton is his name. He plays Joe who was the essentially uh, Billy Falau of the, of the story. Um, But he's now 36. um, And he has his kids that aren't that much younger than him going to college. Mm-hmm. So, he, but he has a very childlike demeanor when you really hear him speak for more than a few minutes. He's very terse at the beginning. You hear him speak a little bit more and he has a very childlike mm-hmm. manner, which is almost like he's been stunted. They did a good job of that. They did a good job of not glamorizing or excusing what happened. Correct. And showing you the repercussions in these human beings. I don't know what my disconnect is though, but it, other than 
And also, well, let me go. And then Natalie Portman's character, she's from Hollywood. You see these moments were very Hollywood moments. <clears throat> but she's approaching this family, trying to be cautious, but still trying to get info. And then she starts, her behavior starts to, to get a little confusing and a little bit reckless. You right. see in these moments. I was kind of confused by that. Well, she started mimicking what Julianne Moore's character was doing. And I got, like, I saw that right away. And I was actually reading afterwards that she wasn't supposed, like, she wasn't necessarily supposed to start mimicking the um, main character in the script, but she started to. And I thought that was actually a really real moment. Like, there's an actress in here wanting to get to know this family and to get ready for this role. She starts talking a little bit like the main character. Like, there was a moment where they're both sitting the same way with their arms crossed. So I thought that was kind of really interesting and clever and could see how an actor could do that in real life. Yeah. But then it kind of went in another weird direction after that. And maybe that was the point of this, like yeah. how she got caught up in their story right. and changed like who she is like yeah. as a, I, I don't know. That's where I guess I got confused. Like, or I mean, there's a, and I don't, don't want to spoil too much, but there's a moment, um, I'd say towards the last half that happens. That's kind of shocking. And her demeanor about that moment seems very flippant when she's been very sensitive and very, you know, thoughtful up to that point. Then she's really flip about the the more intense situations that are happening towards the end. It also could just be exhaustion having to deal with this family. And you mm-hmm. have to, you know, I think on paper, yeah. now, as we're talking, I'm realizing on paper, this film sounds like a well-made, a well-thought-out, stylized, good film. Mm-hmm. But my, I had a complete disconnect when I was watching it. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. I can't put my finger on it yet either. I wonder, like, when the actress character started changing how she was interacting with the family, if she started, like, just really, what is it called when actors just really immerse themselves in their roles? Oh, uh, like method that, acting. Method, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, was she all of a sudden thinking she was... Like this person and acting very naive about the situation and being very flippant. Like it wasn't clear that that was an intentional choice. So then it just became a little, a little confusing. I'm also wondering, thinking about the movies I like by Todd Haynes, a lot of them are period films. Mm. And this had a lot of the same pacing and like slowness and style Mm -hmm. of it, but with a really kind of gross modern subject matter and I'm wondering if for me it just didn't translate well this filmmaker doing this film yeah I'm trying to figure it out and I will say you know looking at Letterboxd and Rotten Tomatoes and stuff it's getting great reviews it is getting a lot of great reviews and the performances are being praised the film in general like uh, has gotten pretty high marks so may just be us. It could just be us. It is at a weird time. I did see that Natalie Portman found this script and brought it to, I believe, to Todd Haynes. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was because I'm like, how did this happen? And Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore have done a lot of stuff together. But it was actually Natalie Portman that found this and wanted to bring it to everyone and get it produced. It's interesting at the end I saw that she was one of the producers. Will Farrell was also one of the producers. Yeah. There's just a lot of producers on it. I think maybe it was just like, let's get all our people we know together to help get mm-hmm. this movie made. And for producers, <clears throat> does that just mean help fund it? You know, I we've realized that 
being a producer could mean a ton of stuff. Like anything from just like, here's some money, mm-hmm. go make a film. Some producers are essentially a second director. Like they're making choices for scenes. Yeah. They get really hands on. So it could mean anything. But in this case, it very much seems like we just we're just funding this. With I you, could be wrong. With your vast knowledge, Christopher, of <laughs> movies, this was shot in 23 days in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. Do you think the time frame they had to shoot it, they had to make, do you think this could have been a different movie if they had more time to shoot it? Maybe. It could be. I mean, I, I don't know about the process of it so much. It does seem like a lot of films have been made on, you know, and this wasn't super long. Mm-mm. It was so, I mean, possibly... I don't. I don't know that it would. Todd Haynes is a good, is a solid director. So, and apparently, I, I know Natalie Portman talked about how, which the great thing that he did is he made it. He shot it chronologically, which they don't always do. Sometimes mm. they'll do. Oh, let's do this segment just based on like schedules, but they shot it chronologically, which made she said made that journey for that character much more real. And then, especially towards the end, there's a scene at the end that a lot of people are talking about this monologue that she mm-hmm. gives as Julianne Moore's character. Now they're shooting the movie essentially. Yeah. And it's a very impressive, I mean, it's definitely an impressive two camera monologue for like three minutes. And she said it was a real gift to be able to do that at the very end where well, she has all this accumulated experience. Well, and it wasn't like a rosebud moment at the end, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe like because they shot it in chronological order, like yeah. the end maybe even makes more sense. Like this is where she ended up in her journey because she went through all these other stages. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe when I watch it again, when I watch a film that I don't care for and then there's so many other people that giving it praises, I tend to want to go back and see what I might have missed or if I came in with just being oh. super grossed out by the subject matter. Yeah. Um, like if I let that affect what was actually happening in the film. I get that 100%. I call it the Fargo effect because I'm one of the few people in the on the planet who did not care for Fargo when I saw it. Really? Saw it in the theater with two friends. Mm -hmm. The entire place is cracking up, except me and my two friends. And we all said, and then then the whole country loved, we're talking about the movie, and the three of us are like, we can never tell people we hate this movie. Let's just say we didn't see it. Because we're like, (laughs) we're the outliers. To this day, I've never rewatched it, because I'm terrified that either I will like it, Mm -hmm. and then think, oh, maybe I just like it, because I know everyone likes it, or I will still dislike it and think there's something wrong with me. So yeah, it's tricky. Or maybe it's only tricky for me who thinks about it too much. <laughs> I think about that all the time when I think about watching Boxing Helena back in the day where everyone was quiet and into this bizarre story and my friends and I were laughing because we thought the whole thing was so ludicrous and we got shushed a lot oh, and almost yeah. got kicked out of the theater, which is not my vibe. Like I'm not a disruptor. Uh, they don't all land the same way I mean Boxing Elaine is a very weird movie it is I haven't seen it since I was like a teenager so I don't know how I'd react to it now I don't think I liked it when I was a teenager uh, yeah I did I can't imagine as a teen I was like in my 20s when I saw it David Lynch's daughter directed it I think oh that could be I just know Sherilyn Flynn was like all the rage oh yeah back then so we would watch anything with her but um (laughs) Yeah. That's a good callback. Well, May, December, we're confused by it. I was a little <laughs> bored. Um, but people seem to be loving it, and I'm sure it's going to come up during Oscar season. So it's on Netflix now, and I think it 
premiere. I mean, I think it was in a couple of theaters, but it's mm-hmm. mostly a Netflix uh, original, I think. Yeah. And by the time this episode airs, I'm guessing a lot more of you might have watched it. So maybe our question for our Instagram followers is, did, did you, you like, like it? it? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. did you get, are you in the, I get this and can see why it's being, not, could be nominated? Or are you more like Christopher and I were, were like, yeah. Mm. Not sure. I want it to be more uh, three options. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you also not 100% know? Yeah. yeah. It's okay to admit when you don't understand why you didn't maybe like something. Yeah. But I think... <laughs> we do that a lot. We, yeah, that happens. Um, I think we could go to a more positive place probably yeah. by saying, what else have we been watching? Oh, you go first this time. Do we go first? Okay, let's see. What have I been watching? Oh, you know what I did see? I don't know if I talked about this. I don't think I did. The Equalizer 3. What? No, we have not talked about this yet. Oh, yeah. Equalizer 3 with Mr. Denzel Washington. I love this series. I love these films. I remember that it was based on a show from the 80s called The Equalizer. And instead of Denzel Washington, it was a very old British man Mm -hmm. who played the same character who is... Uh, sort of like he keeps to himself, but he's probably like ex-military special forces or something. And he helps people in need. Ooh. You know, if, if there's trouble, contact the equalizer and he can help. If that's there's a problem. Of, yeah, that's. Ice, that Now that's like a. <laughs> yo, I'll solve it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the equalizer. The tagline is if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. And then Vanilla somebody, Ice stole that too. <laughs> yeah. That, he took that from the equalizer. <laughs> uh, and then they made. Queen Latifah was in a show fairly recently, like in the last eight years, I think, where they did The Equalizer, but it's Queen Latifah playing it. Oh, I would watch that. Yeah, I have watched this, actually. It's not bad. Okay. But The Equalizer films, uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua, who's done a lot of great stuff, starred Denzel Washington. And to me, this is like a Bourne trilogy or a John Wick, where it's like this lone impressive like don't mess with him he's so good he's better than everybody mm-hmm. at at the killing but he has a moral code and this one i like because he reads books that's his thing he oh. reads, and it's based on his wife had this list and his wife passed and so he wants to finish the list which is like the sweetest thing i've ever heard of uh but he also has a heart and when he sees people in tr- he tries to keep to himself but he sees people in trouble and mm-hmm. he's got to help and there's been three of these movies and honestly i love all three of them They're so entertaining and I do get into it because I like his character. So I, I, the third one was, was pretty good. It was the first one that to take place out of the country. He was out of the U S. So this one takes place in Italy, which is even lovelier to watch. I am putting these on my watch list over the holidays because you have convinced me that I need to watch them and then we can talk about them They must be doing well because they've made three, but um, I I don't hear about them enough and I genuinely think they're great. Mm. They have a bit more heart than like a Bourne trilogy and the fighting scenes are just as good. Ooh, I love a good fighting scene. Yeah, they're real good. Wait, like with weapons or with... Both. With both. He's, there's a great scene where he's in a room and you can see him clocking all the things in this room and then he does that classic, here's what's going to (gasps) happen. I'm going to do this to this guy. I'm going to do this to that guy. And it's, he does it. That's what I really loved about the um, updated Sherlock movie. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was just thinking too. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah, what about you? Well, I've been into watching documentaries about cults lately. Oh. <laughs> Tis the season. How do you and my wife not hang out more? <laughs> oh, I know. It's just a distance thing, I think. So the latest that I've watched was a mini TV series that just came out this year called Escaping Twin Flames. Oh, that's Has she gotten to that one yet? No. So it explores the story of Jeff and Shalia Devine, the leaders of the Twin Flames universe, who started by selling online classes that guarantee harmonious union with your destined partner or twin flame. And really, it started right before COVID. But then I think with everyone being isolated during COVID and needing those connections and those connections were naturally over, um, you know, Zooms and things like that. It really, you know, people feeling lonely and searching for love. That's always been a thing. So I get why this Twin Flames group got bigger over COVID. But then, of course, it turned into something much more sinister and yucky than just (laughs) teaching people how to love each other. And so it's kind of cool because you hear the backstory of the main dude, Jeff, right? You hear from his sister, I think, and his mom about what kind of kid he was and what kind of issues they had with him. Then he meets, it really started, you know, it was, he was always looking to make a quick buck on stuff. And then he meets this woman through, I forgot how, maybe an online thing. And then they kind of, she's, not that she's an evil force behind, but I think them combining their powers, then they realized they wanted to make money. Like, how can we make a living off of selling these classes? Which is fine. And it turned into a little bit of like a Ponzi scheme. Like the more people you get to sign into these classes, you make more money. But then what happens after that, Christopher, that made it culty is them trying to tell people who their twin flames were and forcing people into relationships and really calling people mass. It was either a masculine energy or feminine energy and you had to pair two of them together. So then it just got really gross and creepier and creepier. This twin flame thing is still active now they had a lot of people who got out of it that were talking about their experiences per these documentaries but these people are buying a farm currently in either michigan or indiana and they're moving all their twin flames people to this farm that's the key that's That's when you really got to raise those red flags yeah getting property yeah storing things yeah so if you and nicole have not watched this one yet um, I think it's def- It's six episodes. It's worth a watch. It really, I think one of the coolest things that happened too is um, one of the people that were all in on this Twin Flames yeah. thing ended up leaving and stealing a little hard drive oh, and yeah. now had access to all these conversations that were no longer online and inappropriate. And that's really where oh, the yeah. kind of the crummy part about these people started coming to light and so it's really fascinating as you as i pulled it up when you were talking i looked at them i'm like oh of course she has watched this has she? yeah like i saw them i'm like oh yeah i, I was in the room for at least two scenes yeah. which were very upsetting because it was mm-hmm. it was a moment where they were telling the person who they had to be with and then the person says and i wasn't that wasn't what i wanted but i at the time they made me believe it yeah so yeah i can see that i usually leave the room at that point i just for some reason these documentaries for me are too frustrating to watch Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i understand the appeal and it was interesting when she because what happens is she'll watch it i say i don't want to watch it and then she will explain (laughs) 
almost scene for scene as if I had watched it anyway. So, you know, why do I fight it? I feel the same way. Like I haven't watched documentaries like this in a really long time. And I guess what is it about me that now all of a sudden I have the capacity or maybe I don't even have the mental capacity, but I'm opening myself up to learning about these awful people in life that I hope I never come across. But a lot of it's also fascinating to me with the psychology behind all the people that are healthy. Yeah normal like truly like independent thinkers that kind of get sucked into all of this and again it kind of goes back to that fingernails thing like people just really want love and connection so desperately that they will buy into any kind of success story and get taken advantage of i know it's i don't think and i don't think anyone who's interested in these things there's no shade there no because everyone's fascinated by the darkness and then and then you hope you're watching to see them get their comeuppance yeah. or to get it. That's why people like Law and Order. <laughs> yes, I mean, so people. So many people are obsessed with it. I'm one of them. Every episode ends with comeuppance. Yeah, then you got it. You're fascinated by how dark and awful people can be, but then you want to see them, you know, ju- get justice. So yeah, I get it. I get it. So if you, you got some time, I think escaping Twin Flames is interesting enough. Um, and these people are just yeah ridiculous. and if you want to see more comeuppance equalizer series a lot of comeuppance in that I love so, it yeah all over the place <laughs> this is a comeuppance episode <laughs> thanks everyone this has been fun we want to thank a couple other people too yeah Kim Shine our producer absolutely and New Skewed is our wonderful theme song and we couldn't do any of this without the generous kind support of members of both our organizations Milwaukee Film and Radio Milwaukee that's right thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time go see a movie yeah